We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the MAPS Step Back Podcast. Let me step back for a minute, tired of the gimmicks, see we just focused on winning. Ball in the airline center, we bout to get litty. Luca carrying a torch, Borden jumped up on the porch. How you reckon with his force? Third season in the game, and he a legend by his fourth. Look, after dirt, now the king of Dallas. Airline serving as the palace. Young team, and it's full of talent. One revenge, we accept the challenge. Luca carrying a legacy. What it take to be an MVP? Being great, know it cost a fee. Know it really ain't that hard to see hold on wait silence the critics cause they never did it pass out jordan i woke up the city map shoot hot like we straight out the chimney go back to batman i'm calling them drizzy more triple doubles i'm waiting on 50 step back smoother you know it's so filthy if i get down on my team gonna lift me Rep the map, step back, overcame the setbacks Starting where we left at, know we gotta get back Know we gotta get back Rep the map, step back, overcame the setbacks Starting where we left at, know we gotta get back Like know we gotta get back Let me step back for a minute Let me step back for a minute Let me step back for a minute let me step back for a minute. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Math Step Back Podcast. This is our first episode of our off-season series called Upgrading the Mavericks. I'm joined by my DallasBasketball.com colleague, Matt Glatson. Matt, how you doing, man? Doing great. Uh, kind of excited basketball season is over because now we get to get to my favorite time of the year, which is uh, free agency and trade speculation. Uh, same for me (laughs) it's almost as fun as actually watching games to me so um you know here we go yeah and you know we've talked about it a ton throughout the season and you know we had our rant on the Mavs front office last week they really don't have they don't really deserve the benefit of the doubt when it comes to free agency because of how how bad it's been over the last decade or so or really ever uh but they have never had Luca at this point in his career either he's fully established uh they have the ability to create up to 33 or 34 million depending on what they do with with Tim Hardaway Jr. if they know that they have a big name that wants to sign with them they could renounce his rights and create 
that kind of space. Even if Josh Richardson opts in, you know, he, he's a, an expiring contract. And they, I feel like they could easily trade him to a team that's not contending and attach a, a second-round pick or, you know, something like that. So there are ways that they can get to a max number if, if an opportunity presents itself. But we'll just have to see see how it goes. But okay, so look to start out this this uh, series, we're going to talk about Demar Derozan specifically. But I wanted to bring up this scenario by our guy Kenny on Twitter. It's he's at Kenny underscore eight one seven. He's his ideal offseason scenario, Matt. He said, call OKC or San Antonio, or Toronto, see if they'll take KP for some heavily protected first, a.k.a. nothing, and absorb him in the cap space. Pray Jay Rich opts out, which that's not, like I said, that's not really essential. He could opt in and you could still do something there. Uh, sign Rashawn Holmes for four years, $85 million. Sign DeMar DeRozan for four years, $90 million. And re-sign THJ for five years, $100 million. And our guy Grant, our guy Grant with DallasBasketball.com, our colleague, I ran this by him, and he assured me that this is financially feasible. <laughs> so even, even if it's unlikely, it's feasible that the Mavericks could do something like this. And if they did, it'd leave you with a starting lineup of Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., DeMar DeRozan, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Rashawn Holmes, which would be incredible. So... That's kind of like when I saw that, I was like, you know, I always attach myself to, to a specific idea that I really, really want the Mavs to do. Like in 2019, I was just determined I wanted them to get Boyan Bogdanovich. And uh, this is kind of where I'm at for this one. Like I know a lot of stuff has to happen for that specific scenario to, to play out. But, man, that, that would be incredible. So what's your thoughts on, on that scenario? Um, I mean, I like the idea of DeRozan on paper. Um, I just, I don't know. He, he, he hits all the boxes they kind of need, right? He can score on his own. Um, he can kind of create on his own. Um, he's a big body. He can play a couple of different wing positions. Um, but you know, obviously there's a lot that has to happen there. I mean, the, the Richardson thing, you know, he's he's not opting out. He'd be a fool to opt out because he's not going to get that much money on his next contract because he's been dog. <laughs> so you got to find something to do with him. Um, I don't know if I want to go over the tap to the cap to bring back Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, I would love to have him back, but it just it it just seems like a lot of moving parts, and it's 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 kind of. It's 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 almost kind of like a pipe dream to me. Um, I just you know, I don't know. I, it it's hard for me to get excited about something with that many moving parts, just because I don't see the Mavericks being that active, because they never are. Like they might do one thing, but they're not going to do three different things that make us happy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, based on what's happened in the past, all these ideas get built up, and yeah, you'll get every now and then some rumors pop up. The Mavs are 
may be interested in this guy or this guy. And uh, the Mavericks themselves, you know, have a different mindset. Is, is That's how the trend has gone in the past. So I don't want to get too worked up over specific scenarios that involve a bunch of moving parts. But what I do want to do in this series is just examine individual players and their fit and, you know, whether the Mavs should be interested in them or not. So, like, take DeMar DeRozan, for example. He gets he gets so much crap because he doesn't shoot threes. But, I mean, looking at the numbers, and I've got some stats I'm going to pull up here, I just don't understand why people don't think he would be a massive upgrade for this roster. I mean, he's 31 years old, going on 32. Uh, he's consistent every single year with his with his offense. He's become so much better as a distributor over his career. He averages 22 points, seven assists, four rebounds a game. And his defensive data over the years, his uh, advanced dis- defensive data isn't that great. But if you look at his on-off numbers, I was looking at his per 100 possession numbers for his career, like when he's on the court, and his best years – where he was a plus, he was at least a plus three in one, two, three, four, let's see, five years. So three, four years in Toronto. No, they were all in Toronto. Five years in Toronto, one year in San Antonio. And his best plus years, as far as his on-court numbers, was when he was playing the majority of the time at shooting guard and the rest of the time at small forward. Now, these last two years with San Antonio, where they played him exclusively at small forward and then this past year it was exclusively at uh, power forward the majority of the time he was a negative so I think it's just how you use him like yeah he doesn't shoot threes but he has a true shooting percentage of 60 over the last two years and he shoots like 55 percent on his two-point shots he can create his own shot he can create for others you can't look at what he does and tell me that he wouldn't help take a tremendous load off of Luca, based on what we witnessed this year with uh, with Josh Richardson and uh, you know basically Tim Hardaway Jr. being the Mavs' second best player uh, when when KP couldn't get it going. So I, I just I don't get how just because the guy can't shoot threes, and really we don't know if he can't shoot threes, he just doesn't shoot threes. I mean, I, I just don't get how that makes it to where he wouldn't be a good fit. Uh, everything, I've, everything I've watched, and I have watched DeMar DeRozan play. It's not, I'm not just looking at numbers and basing it off of that. I, I've watched him play, and I just truly believe he would be a great fit. And I, I don't get why people bash him. So, what's yeah, I don't either. I, I think that um... – I mean, is he, like, the ideal player that you want? Probably not. But would he be good? That's that's the question. Would he be good? Would he help? Would he t- take this team to another level? And I think the answer is yes. I mean, look, when when Cuban was on 105.3 The Fan the other day um, – or, sorry, it wasn't when he was on 105.3 The Fan. It was in a it was in a um, it was in an interview he did with – was it The Daily Beast or, or something like that? he specifically said what the Mavericks need next season. And that is a guy who can, a secondary playmaker with size. That is exactly what DeRozan can be. Luca got 
had way too much on his shoulders in the playoffs and, and during the regular season. He probably got worn down, even though it didn't really show too much in the playoffs because he was still going off. If the, the two minutes that Luka was out of the game, the, the Mavericks just tanked because they didn't have anybody else that could carry the load. That's why you get DeRozan is because it's somebody else that can carry the load so Luka can get a little bit of that extra rest and you know the team can kind of float while he's sitting on the bench as opposed to you know just absolutely tanking in their net rating. So well, here's here's the other thing too. DeMar DeRozan has never been anything but the guy in his career. Yeah, he had Kyle Lowry in Toronto, who was arguably, and there's a lot of people that say Kyle Lowry was better than DeRozan uh, in Toronto, and I, I understand those arguments, but it was really more like a 1A, 1B thing. But he's never been in a situation where he can just kind of take the back seat and, you know, just be kind of a reliever for a for a main guy like Luca. So I feel like that'd be a great role for him. And he has he has these uh, these playoff shortcomings where it's almost like he choked, and I'm just thinking like, well, yeah, because he's playing out of, it's kind of like the Mavs roster. He's playing at a spot above where he should be on the totem pole. And I feel like if he was in Dallas playing with Luka, Luka's you know, taking the brunt of everything. It takes pressure off of him, and it takes pressure off of DeRozan, and everybody wins from it. So that's where I'm at. I just, I just don't get all the, I don't get why people could look at what DeRozan, DeRozan has done and especially if you, even if you only watch DeRozan versus the Mavericks, I mean, that, that should still uh, make you think like, okay, this dude can help. But anyway, our return guest, Xavier, is here to chime in on DeRozan. What, what you got, man? All right. So I'll keep it specific because I know that's what you want to talk about. But essentially, he would be a terrible fit off ball because he wouldn't make life easier. Yeah, he'd make life easier for Luca and maybe giving him a few minutes to rush the game. But it's but on court, they're just going to play off of DeRozan. And whoever is defending DeRozan is just going to shade towards wherever the primary ball action is taking place. And if you look at San Antonio's offense, the reason why they struggle to score so often is because even when they had LaMarcus Aldridge out there, if you have two guys that aren't a threat from three, it creates no spacing. And that's not what we want for Luca. We want Luca to have a wide open court, right? So that he can get into the teeth of the defense and he can kind of create. If you have DeRozan, then that severely limits what the that, that DeRozan would work in theory if KP was KP. But if you have Willie Cauley Stein or Dwight Powell or some other non shooter being out there alongside DeRozan, it's it's gonna shrink the court so but much. X, but X, let me let me just put this in your mind for a second imagine if they had had DeRozan instead of Josh Richardson this past season like just like I get it he he can't shoot but Josh Richardson couldn't shoot this past season either he was horrible on offense he, he dribbled into people and had horrible turnovers and really other than a you know a handful of games he really wasn't that great defensively either so I, I'm just thinking like imagine and I know there's other players out there, and I'm not saying DeRozan should be the number one guy that go after this offseason. I'm just simply saying he would be a massive upgrade because I feel like if you plug him into that role that they were trying to force on Josh Richardson this year and it didn't pan out, then you automatically have a, a much better team overall just because of what DeRozan can produce. But, 
But that's a right. Reg- sure. In a regular season, I 100% agree with you. But I don't know. May- and maybe this is just me being too big picture. I want to know how he's going to fit in a in a close, tight playoff matchup. Because ultimately, that's what we want, right? We want to win the championship. Now, if you want to be the fourth or fifth seed and, and possibly a first-round exit every year, then sure, bring in the Rosen. But if you actually want to win more than one playoff round, that means you have to create the ideal conditions for Luka. And DeRozan is just, he's everything that we don't need. He's a poor defender. And we won't get into that. Anybody who's watched DeRozan knows he's he's a terrible on-ball defender. But on top of that, he just doesn't space the floor. Now, if he has a ball in his hands, and everything you said, I agree with. He's a playmaker. He's improved his passing. And he can be effective. When you watch him against the Mavericks, the reason why he cut us up was because he had the ball in his hands. Now, if he has the ball in his hands, then you can make up for the lack of shooting in the other positions. But he's not going to have the ball in his hands primarily with Luka there. So he's going to be primarily off ball. Even if he makes life easier for Luka, 20% of the possessions, it, the damage that he does to the space and the other 80% is just not worth it. And whatever he, he brings to the table, it'll be offset by that lack of shooting. And, it's, and like you said, and even, and I saw you say that in the chat, it's not just that he doesn't make them. Sometimes he doesn't even want to take them. And that's the problem. He won't even keep a defense honest. Even if he shoots 33% from three or something poor like that, at least be willing to keep the defense honest. But he's not even willing to do that. So I just, I, I think it'd be a bad fit. Look, ultimately, he just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I get it. Look, I, let, let, me, let, me, let me be fair, right? There are very few players in the league who wouldn't help us, right? We're bereft of talent. We have a lot of holes. We have a lot of opportunity. So it's easy to say, well, this player would help us. Yes, a lot of players in theory would help us because we don't have a lot of talent. A lot of our players are one-way players, and they're very limited in what they can do. So I agree. There's any number of players that could help us. The question is, do they take us to another tier? And I just truly feel like DeRozan doesn't take us to another tier when you have to con- when you have to bake in the fact that KP is not KP. Now, if KP could play the five, and and he was and he could be out there for us on a consistent basis, bring in DeRozan, right? Because then it's all right. We have one non-shooter on the floor. We can I, I trust Carlisle to make it work. But what we're doing is we're we're decreasing our margin for error if we bring him in. Because KP is in KP, and now how you have to build that Luca, that ro- that roster around Luca, it you, now you're really trying to thread a needle by bringing in such a non-shooter. Who, by the way, we don't even know if the Rosen wants to accept um, the role of secondary playmaker because everything I saw in San Antonio, the reason why he and and Aldridge didn't work, and the reason why they ultimately got rid of Aldridge was because DeRozan didn't want to take a backseat to anybody. He wanted to play his way. He wanted to play his game. Well, guess what? That's not happening in Dallas. So the first time DeRozan looks off Luka to go chuck up a contested mid-range jumper, Luka's head is going to explode. And I wouldn't blame him, honestly. Well, and even, like you said, if, if KP is KP, you know, the KP that we need him to be, then that's the ideal situation if if they were to sign DeMar DeRozan. The thing is, we really don't have as much cap space as what, you know, everybody thinks we do. (laughs) Because of uh, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s cap hold, uh, there's really not much room. It it depends on what Tim signs for. Uh, So if he, and let's just say he signs for $20 million. 
So if he does sign for twenty million, then the Mavs really only have like what thirteen, fourteen million in cap space before uh, you know, un- unless they trade Dwight Powell or uh, Josh Richardson if he opts in, stuff like that. So it's really not a lot of cap space to work with if they re-sign Tim Hardaway Jr. So if you did get a guy like DeRozan, you'd almost have to sign and trade KP or trade KP somewhere else to create more space. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the... I don't know how I'd feel about that. I just know based on what my eyes have seen, uh, I just I feel like DeRozan would be an upgrade for this team. And I like the way he performs down the stretch. I think that's one of the main – that's one of the things that I really like about the idea is like if you get late in the game, and that's where Luka struggled in the Clippers series because he was just uh, – he shouldered so much of the load for the first three quarters and he was just gassed by the fourth quarter. Uh, so if you have a guy like DeRozan who can create his own shot and he's shown that he can, you know, hit big buckets in the fourth quarter, I just think that really helps the team overall. And you don't have to, you don't have to surround DeRozan with other guys who can't shoot. I think as long as you can find guys who are good three point shooters, uh, who aren't going to command as much money as a guy like DeRozan will. So, and, and don't, and I think before, and I think before we even look at the Rosen, I think the obvious question, everything stops, starts and stops with Tim Hardaway Jr. Because if we sign Tim Hardaway, if we resign him, all these pipe dreams of signing other players or, or, or plugging in holes, those are dead, right? Because as you mentioned, we only have 34. Now, I, I say 34, 35, because I think we could trade Josh Richardson for a ham sandwich in a heartbeat. We'll have no problem getting off his contract. So him opting in really is doesn't matter. The question is Tim Hardaway Jr. And look, guys, he's a one-way player who's a shooter, and you think, well, no way he's going to make big money. They... Davis Bertans, Joe Harris, Duncan Roberts is going to get $20 million. In a league star for shooting, Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to get 18 to $20 mil, and that's his floor, honestly. I, I'd be willing to bet there's no way he gets anything less than $18 mil per year. And if, oh, and if paid, for sure. Yeah. So okay. I, now, look, X, I saw, I, I think, was it you in the chat a little bit earlier that said, uh, did you mention uh, Spencer Dinwiddie? Yes, now look. Because, because, look, isn't that essentially a similar, wouldn't that be a similar signing to DeRozan? But, I mean, he's not necessarily a three-point shooter either. Well, see, that's that's the myth, right? Because, remember, a lot of his shooting splits came when he was the sole playmaker for a terrible Nets team, he was forced to take terrible shots. But if you look at his catch-and-shoot numbers, he shot 39% catch-and-shoot from three. So that's good enough to play alongside Luka. That doesn't make him an uh, elite shooter, but he's good enough to where you have to respect the three-point shot. He's a big body on defense. He can playmake. He can shoot. And more importantly, I trust him to create his own shot. So he'd be the Rosen but who could actually keep the defense honest from three-point range. And he's not going to cost as much as DeRozan. Because I'm guessing you probably get him on a three-year deal with like a non-guaranteed or partially non-guaranteed third year, kind of prove it, give him a chance to kind of get back. And look, it was a partially, t- a lot of people are scared off by his ACL. ACLs are not what they used to be. They're not the death, the death sentence they used to be. So I'm, 
I'm going to I'm going to assume that he comes back healthy. But people forget that before he got injured, he was a borderline all-star. And he was playing really well. And I think if you you can probably get him in the neighborhood of maybe 16 million a year, I'd rather pay him 16 than pay the Rose in the 25 that he's going to want. And anybody that thinks the Rose is going to come on the cheap, it's just not going to happen. He's going to take up if you if you let Tim Hardaway walk, you're essentially replacing Tim Hardaway with the Rose. And in a vacuum that doesn't do anything to take us to the next level. So I think you kind of got to spread the wealth. So I would sign Dinwoody. You know, he's going to come on a bargain. I would see if we can trade Porzingis for like a buddy healed. That will replace whatever shooting we lose with Tim Hardaway Jr. And then that still gives us maybe 16 to 18 mil to kind of play when it may be sign a rim running big or, you know, another rotational piece. So I think that is probably our best bet. Well, I mean, look, I, I like Spencer Dinwiddie. Just I didn't love him, but I, I liked him before he had his injury issues. But I mean, Josh Richardson is supposedly a thirty-six percent three-point shooter. They essentially average the same points per game, rebounds, and assists per game. Spencer Dinwiddie has a little bit of an uptick in his assists per game, but you know, I just I see a lot of Josh Richardson in Spencer Dinwiddie. He's a better distributor, and like you said, his catch and shoot numbers are are decent, but. I just – I don't know, man. Uh, between that and the injury, I'm just – I'm not sold on that. But we're at the point now, and I I told – I actually told uh, our buddy Kirk and Matt this in a group chat earlier today, and I mentioned it a few, <laughs> a few weeks ago that we'll probably end up signing Spencer Dinwiddie, and then it'll be announced that, like, his whole salary is being paid by Cuban and cryptocurrency just for the headlines. I love and- it. And it'll still be an upgrade <laughs> because the Mavs have so many spots where they need to, uh, you know, consider upgrading this offseason. So we'll see how it goes. I, I'm not a huge fan of Dinwiddie, but he'd still be an upgrade nonetheless. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Matt, what do you think about uh, what we've said so far about our ex's thoughts on DeRozan and then with Dinwiddie? 
Well, I just I just think it's hard to to write off DeRozan that quickly, considering the lack of talent that's on the Mavs roster. Um, and I, it's it's hard to it's hard to imagine for me that he wouldn't come in and immediately average, you know, somewhere between twenty three and twenty five points a game because this team outside of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Luca, this team doesn't have anybody else that can score. So before we get into all this stuff about you know fitting pieces next to Luca and fitting players into the scheme and what the Mavericks need, all this all this crap, they need to just get good players. They don't have very many good players. You have to get good players. That's what it really boils down to. If Rick Carlisle is really as good of a coach as everybody says that he is right now and they have that much faith in him, he'll f- figure out a way to make a scorer as talented as DeRozan work. Because if, if you don't, then, you know, then you're really screwed, obviously. But you, you can't win basketball games with with good analytics if the players suck. <laughs> I, I, I worded that terribly. But you, you, you can't just worry about analytics. You have to get talent. Talent is the king of the NBA, and they don't have any talent. Here's the, but you can't. Here's the thing. We, we know. Go ahead, X. All I was going to say is that I just think I just think we we cannot discount fit. Talent, I agree. Talent is talent, but how many teams have proven that if the talent simply doesn't mesh, the encore isn't going to work? So upgrading, to, I would rather have rotation pieces or players on the margin fit what we're trying to do than to just sign somebody who just doesn't fit. I mean, look at Philadelphia. There's a reason why that offense, their ceiling is limited because Ben Simmons doesn't fit with Embiid. They're both two world-class players, but they don't fit. And so that's – and so you can't just – well, let's just go get the player. If it doesn't fit, A, it's going to be impossible for us to get off of that player because if they're not a fit, they're not going to look good, and we're not going to get much value. We're going to get stuck with a terrible toxic asset. And then the on-court play is going to be affected as well. So I – I just I, I think fit is more important than talent at this particular stage because we have somebody as great as Luca. Luca makes up that gap. Hey, you don't need world class or you don't need everybody around him to be world class. You just need the people around him to fit. If our players were ten to fifteen percent better and could play a little bit more defense, we'll be making noise. So I, I just think fit is more important than just talent in the vacuum. Yeah, and it's one of these things where the Mavs and X, I appreciate it, man. Uh, great stuff as always. We're going to bring some other people up here too. Uh, but, you know, another thing we need to think about here too is the Mavs, I think they definitely need some big man help. I don't, I don't know if everybody shares that opinion, but, you know, they were they were bottom five in rebounding per game as a team. Uh, they were bottom ten in blocks per game. Uh, they they need more rim protection. They need some more muscle down low. And even, you know, if the Cleveland Cavaliers, I know they traded a pick for Jared Allen, but if Jared Allen didn't want to stay in Cleveland, I wrote a piece about this on DallasBasketball.com the other day because the Mavs reportedly have interest in him. That's a team where I could see if the Mavs offered Allen a, a huge contract, and even though he's a restricted free agent, that – they would consider doing a sign and trade for KP. Uh, I, I feel like that Cleveland front office, that's one of those teams uh, who you could potentially talk into taking KP on. But then you have the situation where you don't have the floor spacing that you do with KP if KP was who we need him to be. 
So what do you do then? Do you just <laughs> you keep rolling the dice with with Maxi at the four, who's shown that he just can't carry it over to the postseason? Or you know what, what do you do? So there, it, it's a conundrum. But you know that, that's what this off season is about. We got to talk through it. We got to see. We got to see what we can come up with. So next guy I'm bringing up here, our guy Jesse. Let me see, Jesse. What's up, man? What's going on, guys? How y'all doing? Ah, uh, we're making it. We're much better now than we were last week. Yeah, I had to take a week <laughs> off and just decompress. <laughs> but um, so yeah, like the big thing is like. You know, I agree with some of what X was saying, but I think we're not a, we don't really have the luxury to go for fit right now. I, like if you look at the the 50 win teams that Donnie constructed throughout the years, they would get as many assets as possible. None of them all all really fit perfectly or anything like that. And then they trade their way to maneuver themselves and eventually it worked out to way to where they could maneuver themselves into a championship team. Obviously, there were outliers there, but I just think we don't have really the luxury to go for fit. We need to just get the best talent we can get as possible, and then later we can trade for fit because, uh, I mean, we just – when you're that depleted talent-wise, you can't just wait around every offseason to just push it to next year and then try to get the best possible fit you can. We've been trying that for the last 10 years, and it hasn't been doing anything for us. So I think right now – accumulate like but we don't need to hit a home run every time if we can get those singles and doubles and that's where the biggest criticism i have of donnie and i I try not to be as critical i try not to be as toxic as some of the rest of twitter is but when his uh inability to just hit those singles and doubles and try to go for home runs all the time we missed out on a lot of really talented players that could have been on this roster that you know could eventually molded their way to fit with the team so I would like to see us get a lot of $10 million guys instead of going after those $30 million guys or whatever and and try to build something that way. I still kind of want to wait on KP because value's so low. I still kind of want to see what he's going to do with a healthy offseason. But, you know, the, you can you can wish, but then you go back and watch the tape from the series and you're like, wow, what what is he reduced to? It's crazy right now. He also, one other tidbit is he's like, He's like 13% on wide-open catch-and-shoot shots. So, I like, criticizing Luca for not passing in the ball when he's open, I don't necessarily agree with uh, that criticism because if you look at the analytics, I'm sure he's being told not to. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't, get, don't get us started on Donnie Nelson. Just, just as soon as we started to get over our feelings of the Game 7 loss and how how that game went the, the next day in exit interviews donnie comes out and makes that statement and it just it it the top blew off <laughs> i'm still waiting on the video that i asked dalton to make for me so i can ex- express my feelings to you guys about yeah. pissed off about what donnie said that was just the most blasphemous take he's ever had it, it was so dumb um but i, yeah. I really Let's blame let's blame the best player who is like top five in assists per game and had fourteen assists to go along with his forty six points in in game seven in a winner go home situation. Let's blame him and say he needs to be more inclusive. It makes a let's let's, let's let's blame LeBron for his first finals loss to the Spurs. It was all his right, play. and I, I've heard some whisperings from some Toronto people that 
they expect Mark Cuban to throw like a giant bag at Masai Ujiri. And I don't know how, you know, likely that is, but, uh, you know, look at this. Donnie seemed like he was getting in the defensive because he knew he was in the hot seat. I don't know. I would love that. I don't think it's very likely, but he would have to give him the biggest bag ever. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's another thing. I feel like whatever I, whatever me, Matt, and, and Kurt talk about in our group DM on Twitter, I feel like we just need to bring that over to the pod and talk about it because I just told them about, you know, I'd love it if they would go after Masai and move Donnie, who, you know, he's a great scout. You know, he's good at identifying talent uh, overseas, at least. So, what I would do is that Tony Renzoni guy that he's he's been on the pod in the past had some unfortunate you know some really bad stuff come up and they fired him so uh, right our, our proudest moment there but he was the uh, player he was the director of player personnel for the Mavs so why not move Donnie into his spot which you know he would excel at that's what he's best at and then go out and and hire. Uh, Masai Ujiri. <laughs> I mean, that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, you could put, you could give Donnie the president position or whatever you want to give him whatever right. title to make him feel good about it, you know, and just whatever you want to promote him, I don't care. But we need to have some development within. The real answer to be the best team and to win the most championships in this span would really to take a back seat and go full on development and develop players catered to Luca. And we may have to take a step back next year when we have a draft pick. And no one wants to hear that argument. But in the long run, I think that's how you really build championship teams. A lot of these teams have tried to take that big leap with their young stars. And they're all going to hit those roadblocks later on because they're just not going to have enough talent around them. Look, I, I'm, not, I'm not prepared for the Mavericks to go down that road because in the last 10 years, they have not proven to me that they can develop a single Yeah, that's why they need Masai to do that. They've never done it. They've never done it. Luka doesn't count because because he's European LeBron James. Everyone else has been bad. The reason I say move Donnie to the director of player personnel position is because, I mean, I don't – I'm not under the opinion – I'm not of the opinion that this last draft class was a bust. I just don't think it is. I mean, I, I see the talent with the guys that they pick. I think that's where some of it you have to, you know, put on Rick Carlisle, especially during that COVID stretch where so many people were out. That was the perfect opportunity during those during that huge losing stretch to play those young guys and really see what you've got. Uh, they all showed out in, in the G League. Uh, so I really don't think it's a bust as more as it is, you know, they're not getting as much of an opportunity uh, to show out early. And then it eventually gets to a point where they end up being a, a part of a trade and they just never realize their their uh, potential. So I may be wrong about that, but out of the rookies that they got, I do expect Josh Green to take a step next year. He, sh- he really showed some uh, some defensive stuff that I loved last year his his shooting was awful that needs to get better but uh I mean I really like what I saw from him in limited minutes and I do think he takes a step next year but anyway I I don't know what's going to happen I don't expect them to make any front office moves but um I do agree with uh 
what Jesse said earlier this off season, even if it's like a bunch of 10 million guys, I would love that too. You know, just whatever you have to do, we're not going to be picky. We're not going to be picky. Just go out there. Yeah, I mean, look at the Jazz right now who are, you know, playing well against the Clippers. They just have a bunch of really solid $10 million guys, and then they have their star and then, you know, another, you know, defensive player of the year. Like, you don't need to just knock it out of the park every time if you have a lot of talent. Like, if you have the depth, that's going to win over in the playoffs, typically, as long as you have, you know, two-way depth. Yeah. I, well, look, Jesse, great stuff as always. I appreciate you bringing that tidbit about uh, uh, about Toronto, what you know, what Toronto people are saying. If, if that happens and the Mavs do offer uh, Masai Ujiri a spot, I would be absolutely thrilled. I I love Donnie. Uh, he's been a friend of the pod over the years. Uh, but, you know, those comments he made last week were just completely – uh, ludicrous and it, it got everybody mad and it puts a spotlight now on you know exactly what he's done over the years aside from trading from from Luca you know what has panned out <laughs> at some point you have to have some kind of change so all right uh let's see who's next here oh, hold on a second hold on a second all right the reason that I don't think that they bring in Ujiri or or anything like that or move Donnie the only way the only way they're going to do that is if they fire Donnie. If they don't fire Donnie, then he's not moving out of the GM position because he won't move to another spot. If they try to move him to another spot, he's going to say, "Fine, I'm going to resign and I'm going to go get a GM job somewhere else." Because he could get a GM job somewhere else. He could. And well, he could, but not, I mean, he's not. Um, he's not the kind of guy that's just going to take a demotion because he's loyal. I mean, he's, he's very confident in what he does and he's, he's just going to go, go somewhere else. So that's the only problem I see with that whole situation. It just seems kind of unrealistic. Now, would I rather have Ujiri than, than Donnie? Absolutely. But I don't think there's any way you can, you have both in the front office. Well, if they can't have both then I'm okay with the change. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, what, whatever, whatever the case may be. I mean, I if 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 Ujiri is interested in taking that job, and Mark Cuban is, you know, if he has the cojones to to make that move, even though him and Donnie are tight, you know, by all means, go for it. You have to, you have to have some kind of change if you know you haven't won a playoff series in 10 years. If you're not going to change anything with coaching, which I I don't blame Rick as much as I do uh, the people who put the team together, but you you can't just keep everything the same and just hope that, that Luca goes supernova and erases all of your mistakes. Luca is amazing, but he just, he can't, he can't make up for everything uh, for all of the shortcomings himself. He's got to have some help around him. And they've got to get him that help this this off season. And that's All why. Right. Last Matt Phillips, hold on, Matt, Matt Phillips. I'm gonna bring him up now. He's been waiting very patiently. Matt, what's up, man? Oh, not a lot. Uh, so on the big man thing with Jared Allen, I don't think Jared Allen is special. And if you're gonna pay a big man in the current NBA, I just think they have to be special. Uh, for us, the most obvious route to improving the big man is to turn Maxi back into a big. 
we've dabbled in this maxi as a big wing plan and it just doesn't work. He's not a big wing. So we turned a extremely good bouncy rim protector into another bad wing defender. That's just not a smart use of assets. Yeah, I mean, look, I, Maxi, you have 82 game players, or, well, 72, what this past regular season was, and then you have 16 game players, you know, guys that, that can do whatever they want. They're great in the regular season, but then it just doesn't really pan out the postseason. And that's that's starting to be, you know, what it is for Maxi. And now I'm not saying that if this roster as a whole, if it improved – uh, you know, maybe if he's not relied on to guard the other team's best player the majority of the time in a series, uh, that he couldn't perform better. But I think after two postseasons now, and the Mavs were much more healthy this time around than they were last season when they played the Clippers in the bubble, uh, it just, after two straight postseasons of it, I'm just kind of over the maxi thing altogether. Uh, if they keep him, if they keep him fine, you know he's a good three point shooter during the regular season. He he does what he needs to do. He helps them win games. But uh, the thing that gets me with him now is ever since he had COVID, he, his defensive abilities were just zapped. Uh, he he was not good defensively. He had the Achilles issue too. He may not ever be what he was defensively again. But somebody pointed out earlier. Uh, I don't. I don't remember if it was X or who, but somebody pointed out that uh, this is the first full off season that KP has had, uh, where he can. He's not rehabbing. <laughs> you know, he goes into the off season healthy, and uh, maybe a full off season for Maxi uh, can help him out as well going into next season. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But I'm just overall, Maxi is just kind of an afterthought for me now. Yeah, I understand that. It's just my point is we haven't seen him fail as what he should be. We've seen him fail as a small forward. Right. We haven't seen him fail as as a backup center. Like, I'm not saying that, oh, Maxi is the answer to all of the center issues. I'm saying make him what he was when he first came up, which was a bouncy second unit rim protector. Now we just have him as we think he's a small forward. And I think a lot of that is because we like to believe we're smarter than everyone else. And so because we do that, there's nothing smart in just saying, hey, this guy came up and we made him uh, what he was. But if we play him as something that no one else saw him as and it works, then we can go out and say, oh, yeah, we were smarter than everyone else. As for our targets this offseason, though, one of the things we really need as a team is someone that can run a pick and roll without that is not Luka. Because Luke, this offense is so pick and roll dependent, but yet Luka is really the only person that can run one. So for me, who I would be looking for is Mike Conley. Um, he's a free agent. He's really good at running the pick and roll. And he can actually shoot, unlike some of the other people who would be co-ball uh, handlers. Yeah, yeah, that that's a really good good target to go after. And I think he's in that trio of guys. I The older point guard group, I'd be happy with any of them. Kyle Lowry, uh, Chris Paul, or uh, Mike Conley. Either one of those three would be excellent in Dallas. And honestly, I'd be okay with the Mavs throwing a bag at any of them, you know, to convince them to come. Uh, as as one of, one guy just pointed out in the chat, Conley can defend too. Uh, and the Mavs have 
have chased Conley before. He was a part of that pipe dream back in, uh, when was that, 2016, where they tried to get Conley and Hassan Whiteside together, which <laughs> the Hassan Whiteside thing, that, that would have been a, a disaster. They dodged a bullet there, but it would have been great to get Mike Conley then. Uh, but it'd be great to get him now, too. He could play second fiddle to, to Luca, and uh, it'd be a great fit. So that I, I appreciate you bringing that one up because – He's part of and appreciate it, Matt. Thanks for the for the input. Um, he'd be a great fit. Now I don't depending on how far Utah goes, they're up two one on the Clippers in the second round. And if they get to the Western Conference Finals or even the finals, uh, he may just choose to finish out his career there because it's already a good fit for him. But, you know, I, I think there's there's a lot of secondary ball hand proven secondary ball handlers on the market. Uh, who could help the Mavs out. And as this offseason series goes along, we're going to start, you know, talking about those guys one by one too. But uh, it's good to just come out here and, and name a bunch of names. And I'm glad we got the DeRozan stuff specifically out of the way. But uh, we got another speaker request here, Matt, and then I'm going to get your thoughts uh, on the point guard situation before we head off. This is – Discombob MFFL, don't know your actual name. Just gonna call you by your your handle there. What's up, man? What's up, man? How y'all doing? Pretty good, pretty good. It's uh, like I told the guy earlier, we're uh, we're a lot better than we were a week ago. But uh, it's always exciting to jump into this off season speculation stuff and just seeing who's available and potential trades and all that stuff. The 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 encouraging part, the exciting part, is that there's so many ways that this team can improve uh it'd be it'd be very disappointing if they didn't this summer oh yeah it'd be very disappointing but i said this in the chat earlier and i don't know if it would really work and if we'd have the money but what would you feel about kyle lowry and DeRozan coming to the mavs i mean i think that'd be kind of cool honestly yeah a reunion a toronto raptors reunion in dallas i'd love it because those raptors teams were awesome Um, oh yeah they just had to deal with lebron yeah, they had, they had to deal with LeBron. So if they join up with Euro LeBron in Dallas, then you might really have something there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that idea. Reunite Lowry and DeRozan in Dallas. Uh, I don't know, you know, financially speaking, I don't know how feasible that is because I think both guys are going to command a, a good chunk of change, but. If they can make it work out and sell them on the, uh, you know, on the vision playing with Luca and the rest of the guys, I, I love the fit, you know, with both of those, both of those guys. I, I like that a whole lot better than just signing DeRozan. I'll say that. Yeah, and you'd probably have to get rid of KP though to make the money work. I mean, I don't know if they could get all four of those guys to play together. I mean, it'd be very interesting because Kyle Lowry would probably be our best defender if we got him, but. I mean, I think that if you got those two guys, you go get a guy like Rashawn Holmes or maybe Miles Turner. I doubt that happens, but, I mean, that's a, another guy I would love. So, well, just... I had a source tell me that there was mutual interest between the Mavs and Miles Turner. Like, Miles Turner would love to play for Dallas <laughs> if he could. So, I don't know. I don't know what they would have to do to make that happen, but, you know, they love him and he loves them. I just don't know what the Pacers love that, you know, they could trade for him. So that would be amazing, though, because he leads the league in blocks per game, 3.4. Uh, 
uh, per game, and uh, he gives you a little bit of you know what KP is supposed to be on offense too. He can stretch the floor if he needs to. Uh, I think that would be a great fit overall. I was talking with our guy Grant uh, the other day. We were texting about it, and you know, uh, just talking about how great of a fit he'd be. I'd love to see it. Uh, if if he if that does happen, we're gonna do our best to try and get him on the pod with us. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that would be awesome. And uh, I was thinking this too. I don't know, but do you think Norman Powell's gonna command more money than Tim Hardaway this offseason, or do you think they're gonna make about the same? Because if we somehow lost Tim Hardaway to another team, I feel like Norman Powell could be like our backup option for either being that shooting guard or six man. It's kind of hard to say. Uh, I kind of feel like Norman Powell would make more money because he's younger. Um, but, you know, it, if they end up making the same thing, I wouldn't be shocked either because Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, I think Powell is a step above uh, THJ. And I think, you know, that plus his age, he'll probably end up making more money. But I don't think it's going to be as far off as what people might think. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I, it's – it's one of those things where they could keep Tim Hardaway Jr. and they could like go over the cap to keep him if they wanted to. But, you know, you have the $28 million cap hold and uh, there would have to be some other pieces moved around if they're going to add him plus, plus other guys. So it's, it's kind of a weird situation. It's one of those situations that makes me glad that I'm not the decision maker. Yeah. (laughs) This is going to be a very hectic off season. That's why I'm so excited about it. But I'm just hoping that it's not a doomsday for any Mass fans. Yeah, and uh, we appreciate you coming on and yeah. talking with us about it. Uh, you know, I, it's one of those off seasons, and there's so many different ways that the Mavs could go. It's one of those things where if Donnie does come out and hits a home run, he could really redeem himself for some of the, the past failures, but... Uh, it's like Jesse just said in the chat here, Matt. There, there's no, there's not a no-brainer solution this off-season. There's a lot of different solutions. They just have. There's not many ways that uh, that they could go wrong. So that that means if they do go wrong, then <laughs> some heads are going to roll. Because, like I said uh, in that that pod a week ago, it's a put up or shut up off season for this front office. Uh, they can't come out here and lay another egg and expect uh, to have a favorable response from the fan base. I think everybody's going to be turned on this front office if they don't go out and do something. So, uh, Christian, we're going to have you up again. We had some technical difficulties earlier when I tried to get you up here. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, fellas? Uh, we're making it. What you got for us? So I'll, I'll be uh, just to touch on a, a point. It's, I saw a piece on it. I think I mentioned before in Bleacher Report, but it seems people are kind of split on it, which I was actually kind of surprised. Uh, but it the article said that if the Blazers re-sign Norm Powell, there seems to be mutual interest uh, from the Blazers and Mavs on a KP for McCollum swap. And, you know, I think I'd do that. You know, obviously their contracts are similar. Uh, you know, McCollum's older. KP's a bit younger. Both teams kind of want to try something different. I was wondering what your guys' thoughts were on that potential swap because I feel like if we do that, it you know, ideally you would be able to sign and t- uh, trade Tim. 
don't know the likelihood of that, whether it's, you know, you have to match some kind of salaries, a team that takes them into their cap, whatever. Uh, no, that's kind of difficult to work out. But I feel like if you get CJ, then you, you're able to have a more clear look at the roster with clearly defined needs. His defense obviously sucks. Uh, you know, with his defense sucks. He's a consistent second option, and he could be that secondary ball. I would, I would personally love it, uh, Matt. You can give your thoughts on it here too. But I mean, we've we've talked about McCullum, you know, just in the back channels and texts and everything else. And I think Matt and I are on the same page where we would do it because I mean, what KP gave you in the playoffs, you can find a guy who can give you what KP gave you in the playoffs this year for much cheaper. You don't have to pay a guy $31, $32 million a year uh, to do what KP did. So uh, given the production, and you know, it's the same mindset I had with DeRozan earlier, but with CJ, he can hit, he, he spaces the floor and he can, he can be your secondary ball handler and all that. Um, I mean, his overall production, though, for the money he makes, I'd be fine with it. I'd I'd love to have CJ, and I know you're trading KP to a, a rival Western Conference team, and he's younger. And uh, if if he was to, if he were to figure it out, it would be you'd be scratching your head and saying, "Ah, why did we do that?" But I think that's a risk I'd be willing to take with it. What What do you think, Matt? I think that if CJ McCollum was on your team this year instead of Kristaps Porzingis, then you're in the second round of the playoffs. That I mean that's that's a very good take and I agree with it. <laughs> so, I don't see why you wouldn't do it unless there's something else that I'm missing. Um he fits a lot of your needs. Yeah, he's a poor defender. Yeah, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but you know, if you're going to spend your money, spend it on a guy who can score when you need him to score, not a guy who's going to average 12 and a half, 13 points in the playoffs and a max contract. Um, and then you fi- it's like I was saying earlier, it, he's, he's, he's a more talented player than they have right now. Anywhere else on the roster. Um, at least one, you know, he might not be as quote unquote talented as KP, but as far as production goes, he is. So, you know, get a good player on the roster, get a good shooter, Get a guy who can who can take away a lot of the responsibilities from Luca, um, and give him some rest. Do all those things that I've been saying throughout this podcast, and ship ship KP off or whatever you can because wherever he's going to go. I, I look. You, you mentioned um, if he were to figure it out somewhere else. It's been how long since he's been in the NBA? Now he's not going to figure it out, and if he does start to figure some stuff out, he's just going to get hurt again. So. I have no. I, you could trade him to the Spurs. You could trade him to the Lakers. You could trade him to literally any other team in the conference, and I would not care. It's See, that, that's the thing, Matt. Uh, we were talking about this before too. He, say KP does go back this off season and tweaks his game, tweaks the way he plays. I mean, that's great. But you know, if he's more effective when he's cutting and moving more, you know, off the ball, that's a lot more movement than what he's used to. <laughs> that's a lot more movement than just catching it in the post and turning around, taking a contested mid-range shot or just jacking up threes. So who's to say that if he, if he tweaks the way he plays, 
that he's not going to get injured again. You know, maybe he's been playing the way he's playing now because it has he has more of a minimal chance of getting hurt. And then that goes back to the mental part of it, too, is why I thought he played the way he did uh, this season and in the playoffs because, well, in the playoffs it was more how Rick used him, in my opinion. But during the season, he was real tentative uh, going for rebounds or, you know, contesting shots. And I think that was more mental, like, oh, man, what if I end up getting injured before I get to the postseason? But I don't know. I Like you said, there's always a chance – that that could happen, but I don't think it's something that people should really worry about. If you have a chance to get a guy like McCollum or pretty much anybody that matches salary with KP who can produce at a high level, I think you have to consider doing it. Or uh, I'll take it a step further. I think you have to do it, uh, you know, because you, you can't really afford to keep wasting years of, of Luca right now. Yeah, he's young. He's 22, but he's arrived. He's that dude. <laughs> he he could win a championship right now if you have the the right pieces around him. So, you know, th- there's no time like the present. Go go out and get it done and look, I'm not saying that I don't I don't expect this to happen. I I would be shocked if it did happen, but you know, the the way the Blazers are constructed and the way they just can't get over the hump and they're always towards the bottom of the the Western Conference year in and year out. Uh, and given some of the comments that their GM made saying that uh, it wasn't a roster flaw, that, <laughs> that that wasn't the reason they lost in the playoffs this year, I mean, if Dame decided he wanted to leave, obviously he'd have to say he wanted to play in Dallas for there to be any kind of chance of that happening. But if he did, I think the Blazers would honor his request, and that would be incredible. I know you saw that photoshop they put on twitter with dame and luca earlier this week and i just you know what that did to me it got the the gears turning <laughs> i'm going to get my tinfoil hat matt <laughs> but uh if, if if that happens man it's i know it they would have some defensive problems but they'd score 150 points a game <laughs> they'd score more than 150 points a game i can promise you that and they'd be one of the more clutch duos ever. So, but anyway, guys, this has been this has been a wonderful first episode. A great way to kick off this series, and we can't wait to come back every week. And we're probably going to be back sooner than a week because I ideally like to do these on probably Thursdays. Uh, so we'll be back with episode two and on Thursday, unless something happens and we have to push it to Friday or something. We'll let you know. We appreciate all y'all coming in and joining us. Be sure to go like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Again, like we've been telling everybody these last few weeks, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, if you go there, leave us a review, and put your Twitter at in that review, uh, you, you have a chance of winning one of these T-shirts we've been giving out. And I've, I've given out a ton of these things over the last two weeks. So uh, be sure to go do that if you haven't already, and we might be – sending you a dm on twitter and getting your info to send you a t-shirt so guys appreciate it so much fun as always we'll see you next week y'all have a good one let me step back for a minute let me step back for a minute let me step back for a minute let me step back for a minute